Good evening again. Welcome. It's great to see the sanctuary kind of full uh, on this Good Friday and an important occasion uh, to be sure. We're not going to stand as we read our scripture. We've already uh, read the scriptures um, that will be the background of our time uh, this evening. But I want to um, look at one passage in addition from John's Gospel, uh, chapter 12, verse 24. You see that in your worship guide too. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But, but if it dies, well, it bears much fruit. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray again, especially that you would now come um, and be with us as I speak to um, your crucifixion. Uh, may my words not only remind us of that event, but would they be the instruments of your saving grace, your sanctifying mercy in our lives, that, that we would um, receive from you, that we would hear from you, that you would speak to us, um, and that you would bring us to yourself. Lord, for some of us, that um, will be the very first time we've been brought to you. We pray today would be the day of our salvation. The, the others of us who have already been acquainted with your grace, yet again, need to be renewed in the story of the cross. So speak to us, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, in anticipation of uh, departing from San Antonio, headed up to St. Louis, um, I've devised a San Antonio bucket list. Um, and uh, that's to do two things, to visit those uh, places, restaurants, landmarks, um, uh, museums that I've yet to see over uh, the last 19 years. There's still some places I haven't gotten to. But it's also to go back to certain places that, that I've visited and frequented over the years that are dear to me. One of those places is the McNay Art Museum. And um, a week ago, Tara and I had a couple of hours to stroll through the collection. And as always, it was a delight um, as we took in the various um, exhibits and works that uh, were familiar to us. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor, I'm not exactly sure, but when I go into a museum uh, like that and I look at the works of art, I'm not just drawn to uh, the works, but I'm also thinking about uh, the artists. I want to know what their lives were like, what were the challenges that they uh, dealt with in life, what were the um, uh, the, the characteristics of their stories, what, what hardships did they have to endure to lead them to the place of creating these works of art. But one such story comes from the Impressionist uh, artist, Augustus Renoir, who has some works at the Mignet. Um, and many people don't know this, but in the early part of the 20th century, he battled a severe form of rheumatoid arthritis that afflicted him, um, really with agonizing pain throughout the latter years of his life. And some of his greatest works of art come from that latter period of pain. In fact, one uh, is at the McNay Museum. You can Check it out. But it was also during that time that another Impressionist painter, Henri Matisse, who was 28 years younger than uh, Renoir, be befriended Renoir. Uh, they, they became close companions. Uh, Matisse would visit him almost daily 
um, talking with him, befriending him, walking with him through the pain of his arthritis, cheering him on, but at times questioning him. In one particular occasion, Matisse, as he was watching Renoir paint some work of art, he blurted out, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep giving yourself to such agony? And to this Renoir replied, the pain passes, but the beauty remains. The pain passes, and the beauty remains. We get that. Right? We, we understand where Renoir was coming from. We have numerous examples from our own lives of how God brings uh, beauty out of pain. If we were to go through the vast array of life and history all across this globe, we, we would see many illustrations of that same truth, that, that, that there is beauty coming out of pain. But if we were to take that journey, right, we were to survey all of history, we were to look for all of those glorious examples, there still would be none more beautiful, none more solemn, none more sobering than this one. Right, the crucifixion. It's the ultimate story of how the pain is passed and the beauty remains. Right, Jesus drank in all, all of the pain. He gathered to himself all of the darkness to deliver us and to shepherd us into the glorious recreation of all things. That God making all things beautiful and new and, and everlasting hope. But it is undeniably a painful event, a, a dark event, that the darkest event of all of history, it doesn't take long for us to detect those dark themes, that not only in Mark's gospel, but we see them also in Matthew and Luke and John's gospel too. In verse 33, we read that a darkness gathered over the whole of the land as Jesus was lifted up. Of course, scholars, scientists, that they want to explain that event, that they want to somehow make sense of it as some sort of solar eclipse, but that's not how Mark tells it. It's a miraculous sign, emblematic of the darkness gathering over the land, a symbol of God's judgment and curse that was now gathering unto Jesus. Just as the plague of darkness gathered over the, uh, the, the nation of Egypt prior to Israel being led out of their bondage, so this darkness came over the land once more. And next, there's the agony associated with Jesus' crucifixion, a, a darkness all its own among execution techniques that have been practiced throughout history. None, none was more brutal than crucifixion. The Romans chose crucifixion specifically because it prolonged the death of the sufferer. Uh, specifically because it intensified the pain of the sufferer. Even the Roman poet Cicero said it was the most cruel form of punishment. It was disgusting. And yet the Romans liked it all the more for that very reason. That, that Jesus carried his cross 
and that he was not tied with ropes, but nailed with stakes to the cross, made his crucifixion all the worse, all the more painful, all the more brutal. The darkness doesn't stop, though. Right? It wasn't just a particularly painful form of execution. Crucifixion in the ancient world was a public event. And it was specifically designed to humiliate the offender and fill the onlookers with fear. And so was the case for Jesus' crucifixion. It was perplexing to the Romans that they didn't find anything wrong with Jesus. They wanted to acquit Him, right? Mark tells us that the Romans brought Jesus out. I find nothing wrong with Him. But the crowds cried all the more, crucify Him. And so that, that's what they did. That's what Pilate did to appease the Jews, to satisfy the religious leaders. He passed on Jesus for crucifixion, and then they stripped him. His own form of humiliation, he hung naked on that cross. And then while he was there, the crowds didn't depart. They stayed. They watched. Right, And they continued their derisive assault. They were wagging their heads saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. The religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes, similarly mocking to one another. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. What a pitiful sight. And then when we think about that mockery, we can't help but think about the darkness within humanity. It was our darkness, right, that sent Jesus to the cross. It was because of us. This is what we do with the second person of the Trinity. This is, this is how we work out our stories. But one scholar says that when we read our Bibles, we often ask the question, what does this text mean to me? It's a fair question. But oftentimes it takes us into a, a very comfortable conversation about how this passage, uh, well, fits my life and speaks to my story. He suggests that we ought to ask a different question. How does this passage speak against me? And friends, when we come to the cross and we survey its story, it speaks against us. It says, what would you do with your life? What's the sum total of your glorious achievements? If we were to add it all up, what is it worth? Where would it take you? Friends, the answer is the cross. This is God's verdict on our lives. This is God's verdict on your lives, on every one of us. This is what we deserve. And so there is the confrontation that the darkness it brings to our lives, that there is the trauma of Jesus 
agony. There is the emotional assault that he experienced on the cross. There is the darkness that gathered on the land. But, but the greatest darkness that Jesus experienced that day was not that emotional or psychological or even physical trauma. What was it? And there was still more trauma. The trauma when the Heavenly Father pulled His presence away from His glorious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man who was to be our Savior. That was the darkest moment for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was at that moment that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, Jesus was living out that true Jewish maxim, cursed. Cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Because in that moment, Jesus was drinking in all of the darkness. In that moment, Jesus knew that he had become the burden of sin. He had taken it upon himself. And in that moment, his heavenly father could not look upon sin. And he withdrew his presence. And Jesus was cast away. Get cast away on the cross and cast into death and into the grave. He took upon Himself the darkness. But, but it was not without a purpose. Which brings us to the gift of the darkness. That right from the very beginning, Jesus knew that His purpose it was to bring the gift of salvation to sinners like you and me to give His life as a ransom for many That Jesus knew that He came to give the gift of life, but such a gift would come at the cost of His life. Jesus was living out that long illustrated principle that the temple within Judaism had showed the people of God that sacrifices were necessary to atone for our sins, to remove the stain of our sin, and yet because of those sacrifices were insufficient, inadequate, Incomplete that they continued to be offered over and over as the writer of the Hebrews tells us. But that book also reminds us that in such a way, those sacrifices were preparatory. They were preparing us for a better sacrifice. A greater gift one who was to come, a great high priest, that that person of Jesus Christ, who as John tells us, was the perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And so Jesus has, through the pain of the crucifixion. And as we anticipate the joy of Easter morning, the beauty remains. Jesus knew it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless the, the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears what much fruit. And so has Jesus gone into the ground. So has Jesus gone into the grave. So, so Jesus went up on the cross and died. That he might germinate an everlasting and plentiful harvest of salvation for all who would put their faith and trust in Him. Such is the gift that comes out of the darkness. Now, when I told you that story about my and Renoir, you, you didn't shake your head. You, you already knew that's true. 
Right? We, we know that's true. God does stuff in our lives through the pain that He brings into our lives. But it's precisely here that the gospel is better than that. Right? Because Jesus didn't just enter into pain that He might become more beautiful that he might have a meaningful story for, for his own life. He, he persevered through the pain, not for himself, but for us. There was no way that he could have made himself more beautiful, more complete, more significant, more wise. No, friends, he went through the pain. He went through the darkness. He went into the, the uttermost pain of the crucifixion, not for himself, but for us and for our sake. As we say in the Creed, it was for us. It was for our salvation that Jesus went to the cross. And friends, this is the gift, isn't it? The gift that comes out of the darkness. Not so that Jesus' beauty would remain, but what we would remain and become beautiful and become everlastingly glorious and be with Him. And so, friends, as we anticipate the joy of Easter, the coming resurrection, let's not forget the darkness of this day. Because bound up with that darkness, Jesus took us with him into the grave. That we might come out with him. Glorious and made new. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. Painful though it is. Painful though it was for you. In, in ways that we cannot fathom. And yet we know that through your death, you have brought our life. The oh Lord Jesus, you took upon sins so that in you we would become your righteousness. We would be clothed with an everlasting hope. And so give us today faith. Lord, give us confidence that you have truly atoned for our sins. You have put them away. As the psalmist tells us, as far as the east is from the west, and you are making all things new, you are recreating all things, that we are among those whom you are making beautiful for an everlasting story that cannot be stained once again. So, Lord Jesus, be with us today on this good Friday. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.